0: Here we go again.
1: We're home. I
0: bypassed the compressor.
1: You and the chosen one. Something truly special. Congratulations, you are being rescued.
0: Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent. We're gonna try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast and yes, we're back. We're, we're back! back in town. Oh, it feels so good. Yay! It's like coming home.
1: You all tried to get rid of me, but many have tried, many have failed.
0: <laughs> oh man, it's been a crazy time um, for both Drew and I, so hopefully uh, there's been some podcasts from, from the network um, that you've been able to listen to and really enjoy. And uh we're glad to be back. I mean, there's really yeah. no other way to put it. I'm, I'm excited to be back. I've been looking forward to this for, what, like six weeks now that it's been <laughs> since we've been able to do it's a podcast? a
1: long couple of weeks, but I tell you, I, I really enjoyed Mark's entry, Mark's latest entry into the Forever Star Wars saga about the pod race. I thought that was great because that is also my favorite part of the whole prequel trilogy is that 10, 15 minute segment of the pod race. I thought it was awesome. You
0: you mean that's your only part you like about the whole prequel trilogy?
1: Um, uh, let me replay the entire three movies. Yes, the only part that I okay. really like.
0: We should do that one time where we go through like my top ten and your like least top ten things. About <laughs> you and know how they like, overlap? People, yeah. <laughs> you know how some people uh, they do like the top five, and we've done them before the top five shows and stuff. Sure. I think we should make like our bit is we do a top five, bottom five. <laughs>
1: Because I'm uh, sure we can come up with with all kinds of things like that. Would be great fun to do. Yeah, that, that would be a lot of fun actually. We could do like a good like sit down, all of us, like all four seventeen, however many there are contributors now, <laughs> um, and like do a giant round table of just rank the movies and all, so, and yell at you if you're wrong. That's well, really okay. what we do.
0: Yeah, probably. But I actually like wrote this down on my phone. when We were on a road trip, and I was like, "Well, I know this podcast is going to happen eventually. We just all have been so crazy busy, we haven't been able to." And so I was like, "All right, I'll, I'll write them down on my phone and write out why I like them." It's physically painful for me to do <laughs> because I because spoiler alert, like Attack of the Clones ends up at the bottom, but
1: but what? I love Attack of the Clones. I am I love Attack shocked. of the Clones. It's, it's it's the dead last movie on your list?
0: I mean, out of all the movies, yeah, but it's like it seems unfair to put it last in anything because I love that movie.
1: No, it's it's totally fair, don't worry. Oh, <laughs> oh my man. goodness. I, I really am surprised at that. Like I, I did not think that um Attack of the Clones would be your bottom. Although if I was gonna rank them for you, boy, that's tough. That's maybe what we should do. It's like you rank what you think are mine. And I'm that. gonna rank your order. This could be really complicated, really fast, and
0: Let's that's why it. this
1: is the longest short podcast on the internet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's great, but yeah, no. Uh, to what you said earlier, Mark's podcast was fantastic. Uh, he's so good.
1: Everything and- was good. Yep, you guys have yeah. all been really good. Um, yeah. I, you know, thank you for letting me come back on. This was not uh, not by choice. We were kind of forced into it by by life circumstances and whatnot, but. Hopefully this will be – it will be good to get back into form. Something happy in life would be great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we we kept your spot open. We didn't do auditions or anything for somebody new.
1: Well, good. Yeah. Uh, jeez, I didn't even think you would do – why would you say that to me?
0: (laughs) I just got to keep you in check. I got to keep that ego in a nice, comfortable place.
1: I I couldn't help but notice, but in the past few weeks, you decided to go ahead and talk about the last Jedi novelization without me, probably because you knew I would pick it apart to death. Um it's well we, go ahead you guys got the new solo trailer in the past few weeks um which we can probably talk about ourselves later on but you got like juicy and, stuff happened in the past and few weeks we
0: got the announcement of resistance
1: yes okay let's dive into that then can we do that for just a few minutes yeah okay you don't have to ask me twice <laughs> i think this could be amazing um the brief little blurb that we got, this is going to be a, a classically animated kind of series focused on Resistance pilots trying to infiltrate the New Order – or I'm sorry, the First Order. Um, it's going to have Oscar Isaac and – isn't it going to have Gwendolyn Christie – as for phasma's voice as well
0: yes both of them are coming back
1: so you're talking about quality like this is like the people who make these movies are, go- are coming into the animation it's focusing on pilots it's anime inspired which are the two most dangerous words you could probably use in the, in the animation world these days and i don't know if it's going to be more like avatar the last airbender have you ever watched that show is that your kind of thing uh i haven't but it's on my list
0: of things i want to watch
1: it seem, you, you kind of seem like the right person who would enjoy this. I haven't watched it yet, but there's another podcast called Imaginary Worlds by Eric Malinsky, and he did an entire episode on what Avatar The Last Airbender is, why it has such a following. And it sounds interesting enough, but I feel like it's very Americanized. You know, the guys who created it are American. They like the anime style, and they try to do something like that, and... I kind of grew up in the anime world in like the '90s and early aughts, so I never really got into Avatar. But now I'm a little bit interested, just to see what it's like. And I'm kind of curious, like you know how like when Rogue One came out, there was a list of like movies that Gareth Edwards watched in preparation for it and inspiration. Yeah, yeah, same I wanna, with
0: Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to see the list of anime that's inspiring Dave Filoni and his team. Well, I think if we can get that list and make sure that he's watching the right kinds of things, that will determine the quality and and, and level of anticipation for the Resistance show.
0: If I remember correctly, and I'm looking it up as we speak, okay. but I believe Dave Filoni was a contributor to Avatar. I'm pulling really? up his I, I think so. Um, I'm pulling up his his IMDb right now maybe if my internet will participate (laughs) um but i do like no i I like the the cover art that they presented um uh here we go let's see here's the imdb okay dave filoni let's see of course he's got a picture of him and ahsoka to start it off all right known for okay filmography miscellaneous
1: crews Okay. He was a storyboard artist for a few episodes go. of Avatar The Last Airbender. That's that's interesting to know. Okay. So yeah. that you know that kind of was the first thing that popped into my mind was the Avatar world because when that was first announced and started showing, that was kind of the, the number one description. It was kind of – it was an anime-inspired uh, cartoon, but it was home-drawn kind of thing. Although I think they used a Korean studio to do the first year or two. I don't know how long they kept that studio. But I'm not sure. I know it was an insanely popular show. It had its own oh, spin-off yeah. series and all that jazz, but I, I don't know much about the show other than that. And I, I recently started watching Full Metal Alchemist again because it's been so long since I've watched a good anime show. So I'm excited for Resistance. What do you think? What is, On a scale of 1 to 10, what, what's your level of excitement for this?
0: Um, I was My initial thought was 14. <laughs> gosh. <laughs> because... No, because...
1: Not playing in the sandbox, right? Uh,
0: but animation for me has become such a major part of my Star Wars fandom. And so anytime we get a new one, it's announced. That gets announced. I'm, I'm super excited. And I love 2D animation. Yeah. I, I don't... I'm not against 3D animation, but it's not my style. Um, I just... I grew up in 2D animation in the 90s. And so that's what I love. And so hearing this announcement... One, I was right, so that's always good. <laughs> it happens very rarely, so I have to cherish these moments. It's uh, 2D. It's anime-inspired. And from what I can tell, um, I'm looking at it right now. The name of the main character is Kazuda Zono. Z- yeah. Zianoa. I saw it, that. It sounds um, very... Uh, it sounds like a very a- Asian-oriental name, which to me says, like, they're going to pay respect to the fact that this is where this art came from, you know, and not like be a bunch of white guys just doing an anime show in Star Wars. Um, And so I think that'll be really interesting because I growing up in martial arts, I have a lot of appreciation for that culture um, Mm -hmm. and I'm really fascinated by it. So there's everything um, going for me on, on this one. And we only have to wait till fall, which is great.
1: That's kind of nice,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's not like Rebels where we had to wait, like, a year. That was ridiculous. Uh, so overall, yeah, I'm super excited about it. If I was going to stick with the 1 to 10, I would say I'm about a solid 7.5, 8. Oh, wow. Okay. It, it's just I'm still I'm still on the – I'm still <clears throat> not used to the fact that Rebels doesn't exist anymore. Oh. Because, like, when Rebels came out was the first year that I started teaching, and that was the first year that, like – what I consider the, the new phase of my life really started because um, I met my girlfriend a year after that, moved to Houston a year after that, you know, and all these things started happening where I really became like an adult, which is weird, but, um, and all these <laughs> things started happening right around the same time that Rebels came out. So in, an, in a weird way, I was having my own like kind of growth as a person, as I was watching these characters have growth, particularly like Kanan. Um, sure. We've talked about how great his journey is. And so I'm very emotionally attached to that show. So it's going to be interesting to see like how I feel watching these first episodes of the new one uh, of Resistance. Am I going to be as excited as I was for uh, Rebels when it first came out? But I mean, not, I'm not- I'm going to be there every week. I already told one of the kids I'm going to have next year is a huge Star Wars fan. And I told him about the show and I was like, uh, said he's like oh what channel is it going to be on i said disney but i'm gonna buy it on itunes we could probably have like lunch and watch it in my room if you want to <laughs> <laughs> i'm like already planning for it so obviously it's something star wars i'm all in
1: nice no i was afraid like this is the first time i'm gonna have to actually watch try and find a way to watch something on tv like when it airs i don't even know how to do that anymore like i haven't had cable tv and i can't tell you how long so and all the stuff we have is like that streaming services but they don't come out until the entire season is complete i have a some sort of resistance to paying like three to five dollars an episode when it's going to be 20 episodes long and suddenly it's like 60 bucks it's like guys i just kind of want to rent the thing for like 10 bucks and be done but
0: if you buy the season pass it's like 30 which isn't terrible
1: i wonder if google play does that not to completely shill for google play at the moment although i would take their money if they wanted to hire us (laughs) um i I mean i'm an apple guy and i would take their money boo whatever um let's see I'm also the
0: guy th- that has a bootleg computer that sounds like a sprinkler is going on in the background, so <laughs> what do oh, I know? That'll be okay.
1: That'll be all right. What do you think about it being set in the era of the new films? Do you do you like that specifically? To see, It seems to be like it's going to take place in between 7 and 8. Well, not yeah. really in between 7 and 8, but probably just before 7. What, what do you think about that? Is that the right timeline for you? Do you think it should have been bumped up so that it's way before seven what would you have done
0: here's the thing that kind of bothers me just a tad bit about it being right in front of uh seven most likely okay. is there have been times in the comics where resistance uh pilots have directly said like we're not supposed to engage the first order uh, and so if you're trying to keep this fully 100 percent complete non-contradictory canon that creates some problems that people might complain about and you know in star wars people are going to complain about stuff anyways i don't care about something that ridiculously small um that would be the only like hindsight i would see is they've already told a lot of stories there okay um and we and also i really i can't believe i can't believe these words are about to come out of my mouth i really don't want a jedi in this series and that's what that's the other thing that worries me too because i luke is supposed to be off looking for force stuff And if it's like another show where we get an Ezra-like character who just happens to have force powers, and oh yeah, there's this other Jedi who's standing around who can train him. Or he's just doing what Luke is doing, but he's doing it at a smaller scale or something like that. That would kind of bother me, and it would take a lot for me to accept that into the part of Star Wars that I love. But I really don't feel like that's going to be a problem. I don't think knowing the the kind of fans that are behind like the rogue squadron books, um, and knowing how important like pilots and ships are to the star Wars fandom. Raise um, his hands. I, me. Yeah. Well, and, and the fact that the announcement put a focus on the fact that this is going to be based, um, at least style wise on like world war II dogfights. Yeah. Back to the original star Wars film. Um, and the fact that they put so much emphasis on the fact that it's going to focus on pilots. I don't think that's going to be um, an issue, but those would be my only two like um, concerns. Other than that, I'm all for it. Um, now- I want more in this storyline. And plus, you know, Clone Wars was supposed to go over Revenge of the Sith. And we were supposed to see like the, the events of Revenge of the Sith starting around the last few episodes of Clone Wars. So if we can start like going past seven, and then maybe you get this pilot who ends up going on a, an adventure with Ray, I see grows older. Um, and just like the fact that you're you're continuing the timeline and this show is just trailing a little bit behind what we're seeing on the big screen will still give the movie creators the freedom to do what they want to do, but also give Filoni the freedom to do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting for me.
1: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I, I, I think – the first conversations I had with a few people around this were the exact same things. Like a lack of Jedi is going to be conspicuous, but I know a lot of people, that's what draws them to this universe, self-included. Um, and not having seen the end of rebels, I don't know the status of all the characters in there, but you know, obviously Filoni's team has not been shy about bringing back fan favorite characters from previous work. So, uh, I don't know if Ezra survives the end of Rebels. Um, it would be a blow to the Ezra is Snoke theory if he doesn't. But I can definitely see them trying to tie in some of the characters who survive, at least through Return of the Jedi, and and use them in here. Probably not for Caesar, so that would make a lot of sense. But And I don't haven't gotten through the season where uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul... Reconnect on tattooing. I don't know how that ties to the rest of the rebels characters. Is there a clear connection of why that's in the show?
0: Yeah, there's a clear connection. It's a, it, okay, it's a well told story. And as far as the end goes, um, I'm not going to say anything that will spoil you, but it, Thank you. everybody knows because of Rogue One that Hera survives. So I have yeah,
1: she could be hanging around.
0: Yeah, imagine Hera being the Ahsoka of this. old lady Hera yeah and she's like training the young pilots and you know watching them make their mistakes and being there to be the wise counsel and things like that (laughs) oh I I tweeted that out the other day and then I was like I either just like totally became a prophet or I just set myself up for the biggest fall of my life
1: well there's no reason both of those things aren't true at the same time yeah
0: that's that's true as well Anyway. anyway so yeah that's exciting more Star Wars animation, I'm there for it. Big fans. So if you remember, like what four or five years ago when we let, did our last podcast, <laughs> uh, we talked about Kylo Ren, and uh, we had the wonderful Michelle Whitlitch um, write into us, and uh, she she wrote a full dissertation, which is fantastic. Um, I, Drew wants me to say that the first seventeen paragraphs are all about how awesome we are. So <laughs> make sure that well. We'll put that in in post. Don't worry about that. Nice. Uh, but but she is a she's a huge um, Kylo Ren fan, and so we wanted to kind of dig into um, her email a little bit and uh, pat ourselves on the back a little bit. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, that'll be just me. Uh, so she starts out. Firstly, Kylo's motivations, in my opinion, his motivation is that of belonging. This is also why he feels a connection to Rey, who also painfully yearns for the same thing. Um, and she goes into that a little bit more, um, and then how Kylo um, had no support around him um, because everybody was kind of off doing their own thing. And then he, she moves on. Then he finds out Vader's his grandfather, huge turning point. Um, I would imagine seeing as his family members lie by omission his whole life uh, and really aren't there for him, providing him with a sense of belonging. And then the one family member that he is with ends up trying to kill him in his sleep and basically just opens the door for Snoke. Um, So she says, I believe Kylo's motivation starts with belonging, and he wants to further that agenda. Uh, To do that, Snoke wants Luke Skywalker and any promise of the Order destroyed. Fortunately for Snoke, Kylo feels such betrayal and rage towards Luke that it fuels Kylo's motivation to hunt him down for Snoke. So um, I I feel like we touched on that uh, a little bit also, how Kylo is, is someone who's looking for belonging.
1: Yeah, I mean, all all good human stories have have to do with identity. It's basically who am I? What am I doing here? And there's definitely a lot in Kylo's or Ben's past that makes that challenging for him. I don't know how much I I, techn- I really agree with um, keeping Vate the the family lineage a secret because that's. That is like finding out that your grandfather is is Hitler, and, and I don't think that's something that they would ever really want to share, especially with somebody as young as that. Like I don't know how I would be able to process something so traumatic and being related to something so terrible as you know the Dark Lord of the Sith. I, I, even now, as as an adult with my own family, I don't even know what I would do with that. There is no good way to handle that, so I don't think that's their I don't think that's the family's fault. I don't think that's Leia, Han and Luke's fault. I think the problem is in the one of the books, is it bloodlines or wherever that's outed, it's done it's it's done without their control, their consideration, or their input. So it's something that's used against Leia in a political sense as kind of a dropping a bombshell that is not something that would have been okay. And the the characters make it pretty clear that they're trying – that Leia did not want it to happen this way, and she tries to reach out to Ben and to Luke to say, this is coming your way. Um, So I don't think it's really their fault. Now, the question is, does Ben see that? And probably not because I think at that point he's like, what, 15 years old or so? So he's right in the midst of the teenage I-know-everything. No, no, no,
0: no. He's in his 20s by that point. Is he really? Yeah, because he's supposed he's that to be that far along. He's supposed to be like twenty eight or twenty nine, if I remember correctly, in the movies. And Bloodline takes place about five to six years before The Force Awakens, so he's in his early twenties in that mm-hmm. novel. Okay, which, well, which is why I feel like he felt like he was betrayed by his family. But there's also been a lot in canon that has touched on his temperamentalness and um, how there was always this angry side of him. Um, sure. That's been touched on in some novels. So so she she goes on um, to go and talk about the murder of Han Solo. Uh, and What? Spoilers. Yeah. Sorry. I think it was J.J. that said Kylo doesn't plan to kill Han on the catwalk. He is, as, he is as conflicted as ever feeling the pull to the dark and the light. But in the moment, he decides to cling to Snoke's teaching and claim the dark path, killing Han as kind of a mission statement for the dark side. The TFA novel says, though, that immediately after killing Han, Kylo expects to feel stronger. What he feels instead is weaker. That is why his face in the film is one of surprise, I guess you could call it. He is, as Snoke says in The Last Jedi, weakened enough, by the deed that Ray is able to beat him in the forest. So I firmly side with Brandon on this one, and that's that's all we need to of that email. Whoa, we'll just, whoa, whoa. just stop it. No. <laughs> uh, full as stop. Goes, yeah, full, full stop. I didn't get the rest of the email. It just isn't encrypted. It's I don't cut know what off.
1: It's it. weird. It's a very strange thing.
0: As far as Leia goes, he couldn't kill her from his uh, wickedly sexy tie. Those are her words, not mine. Um, although I do have a t shirt with it on, but anyways. Um, and I don't believe for a minute that he would have killed her in person on crate. Uh, I agree with Brandon again, so <sighs> it's good that we continued. Um, that the end of episode nine would have to be Leia redeeming her son, my heart still no, aches, and how beautiful guys. their scene would have been together. Ugh kills me. Um
1: Nope so, George, so yeah. Put that out of your mind. It's not gonna happen. That's not how it's not that's not how nine is gonna end. Putting it um, down now.
0: so oh you know okay to go back to our earlier conversation there's been talk about like the whole you know how are they going to handle leia yeah if they kill leia off screen like pre nine if it starts out like princess like my theory is that this crawl of episode nine is going to start off with princess leia or general leia has died Hmm. are going to be the first words you could. You think they would ever show what happened to her in, in
1: Resistance, like in the anime show? It probably would be good to give her an off-screen death, to give Leia an off-screen death, and to really tell that story within the context of the Resistance show. I think you could open up the crawl crawl text of Episode Nine with a, that summary of it's been X number of years since Crait, and here's what's happened. General Leia gave her life in the servants of the resistance. For more information, check out the Disney Channel at 8:30 p.m. on Saturdays or whatever. I think there needs to be I would if I were in charge, that's how I would do it. I don't think they're going to though. I think it's more likely they actually do end up recasting Leia and and finding a way to tell the same story they wanted to tell, but just with a different person playing the role. I'm not, I don't. Yeah. Know. I know that doesn't sit well with a lot of people.
0: There's no solution, honestly. The only solution that really makes me feel satisfied without, like, obviously having any idea what nine is going to be about, is going CGI with her and paying respect in like one scene or two scenes where you have Leia and then she dies. Um, Mm. But other than that, there's not an answer that I actually like. So I'm just going to take what they give me. Yeah, well, and okay, (sighs) I got to go on a quick little rant because there was the rumor, and I'm using that word facetiously, a rumor about Meryl Streep being cast as Princess Leia and the possibility of that. Sure. We need to back up these (laughs) words. Okay. My journalism major is about to come out. Just because some idiot sends out a tweet or writes a Facebook post, or writes an article for uprocks.com and says this person could be, it doesn't make it a rumor. Just because some people start a petition does not make it a rumor. <laughs> and we need to stop changing the dang story so that by the time people are actually reading it, it's so dumbed down and watered down that it is not even the same story. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. This message has been brought to you by my journalism degree that I use via viaclashingsabers.net. Nicely <laughs> done. Uh, okay, sorry. But, I, that just uh, bugged the hell out of me so no, much.
1: I, I totally understand that. It was. It seems like it was something that somebody made an offhand comment at one point, and then people took a yeah. and with it. I mean, but that is unfortunately the internet culture that we live in. Although I'm, I'm, I would be in favor of a Meryl Streep uh, pinch hitting role here. I think she's got the most Oscar nominations in human history for a reason. She's phenomenal in everything she does. Even when she's not trying, it looks amazing. So, I would be okay with that, but... Again,
0: I'm going in with an open mind.
1: Yeah, okay, uh, sure you uh, are. are.
0: (laughs) No, I really am, because I don't... I I have no answer that I actually like. So, I'm not allowing myself to come to any conclusions about what I want until Nine comes out and... I get what they give me. Now they may, I may get what they give me, and I may hate it. Um, and then, that, then I'll deal with that. But it doesn't seem worth my time to worry about it right now, when I can't literally do anything to change what they're doing. So yeah,
1: and that's that's kind of like the the, the major issue is is so many people in the in communities and, and message boards. Well, like I guess they don't have message boards anymore. They're so focused on like the what if questions. I don't know if we've talked about this or I had this conversation or something. People are so focused on the what ifs, what if they do this, what if they do that. They don't focus on the what is questions. Like, what do you think about what they did with this? And how, you know, they talk about people are, are so busy speculating and coming up with plans and, oh, it'd be great if they did this. Oh, it'd be great if they did that. There's no way to meet that expectation. There's absolutely no way any filmmaker could do a thing that's going to live up to what people have hyped up for themselves. I mean, that's kind of. The the new way the internet treats its favorite things these days, and it's a sad thing. They don't spend enough time reflecting on what they get and trying to understand what was communicated to them. They're, they they can't get out of their heads to see, boy, I'd love to see you know the Sith return and the hundreds of Sith fighting hundreds of Jedi for the end of Episode Nine, but that's clearly not going to happen now. So, I, I applaud your willingness to not try and marry yourself to a particular version of Episode Nine that you would like to see. Um, And I'm really curious as to what they're going to do. But I really hope they hold that solution close to the vest and do not answer those questions until we all sit our butts in the theater and the video rolls. I don't want to know, like, everything about that film before it comes out. I've really liked going into these films not knowing every little detail of them. makes for an actual movie-watching experience I can enjoy.
0: Yeah, it does. And, like, so last night we went and saw uh, Infinity War. And not going to be any spoilers or anything if you're listening. Uh, no spoilers. Thank and you. so I was telling somebody at school who's a big Marvel fan. I was like, this is the most excited I've ever been for a non-Star Wars movie. <laughs> like, I, I I'd never consider going on premiere nights for movies just because it's a weeknight and I'm old and I go to bed early. And so I'm like, <laughs> I'll just catch it that weekend. And I very seriously, it was hard for me not to go on that first night. I was like, "There's." I bought my tickets like first thing Friday morning. I'm like, "There's no way I'm not going," and it was a phenomenal movie. Good. But I literally the the first. It's like what two hours and forty minutes or something ridiculous like that. It's a long film. The first like hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes was me going, "Stop thinking about your expectations. Like, just enjoy the movie that they're putting in front of you." Yeah. And like the hype train was so big for it that there was no way it could have ever met those expectations. Um, Not because it wasn't great, but just because those expectations were something that are not meant to be met. That's not why they, that's not why I had those expectations, you know? Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of.
1: It's a tough thing to. yeah, yeah, it's a tough thing to buck against, but unfortunately, you gotta sometimes you got to do the hard thing and put down the phone and stop reading all the spoilers, and just for the love of everything, go enjoy a film. You don't need to know everything that happens beforehand. Watch it and enjoy it the way the filmmakers intend. And Public then service then you, announcements,
0: over. <laughs> and then you can go to clashingsabers.net and read all about it. And then you can argue about it with us! Yes! yes! Insert cheap plug here. Yeah, okay, absolutely. so going back to Michelle's uh, email, she says similarly, I don't believe Kylo had any long game planned to murder Snoke and take over the First Order. I think Get he to the was point pretty where much.
1: She says, "I'm right." No, there's Go still on. some more
0: where she says, "I'm right." Folks. Oh gosh, guys. <sighs> um, no, this is a this is a, an important thing she touches on in this paragraph, um, and she says he was already feeling disenfranchised from Snoke, so the bond he and Rey recently formed empowered him to do so, killing Snoke. Um, and it's why he's clearly angry after Snoke admits that he bridged their minds, which I don't know. I don't know if I see. I've, I've watched that since reading her email, and I don't know if I see him as clearly angry. She has it all caps clearly. I don't know if I would put it in all caps, Michelle, but we can talk <laughs> about that. H- hit me on the Twitter. We can talk about that. Um, having had the vision he and Ray touched hands, he probably thought her joining him would be a, pretty much a slam dunk. The same, time as she, the same way as she thought it would be a slam dunk for him to join her. Anyway, Kylo had the opportunity to get rid of Snoke, get rid of the various people and entities where he has never truly felt like he belonged. Um, from his point of view, he's rejected by Rey. And then this, of course, sends him right back into a pattern of rage and violence. Kill the Resistance, kill my uncle, I'll destroy her and you and all of it. Um, and she's just talking about how like it's really compelling to have this villain who keeps having to force himself to be fully committed. Um, and he has to twist situations to, to fit his narrative going back to what we like literally just talked about five seconds ago. So this is, this is, um, Drew's favorite part where he, uh, he gets, I I think one, you get one, I think you get one point. Wow. One point. (laughs) Uh, another topic you guys addressed was the motivation of the first order. And why does anyone follow Kylo? Exactly. Um, she says, not Kylo-related, but I agree with Drew. See, you had to have a...
1: Period. A, uh, Full dis- stop. Done. No, you had,
0: you had a Agreed. disclaimer before yours. Not uh, Kylo-related. Um, on the fact that we don't really see any First Order taking over planets or having any presence except for occasionally popping in, killing a bunch of people, and then skedaddling. Which see, I had no idea that's how you spelled
1: skedaddle. I didn't. No, not. I didn't.
0: I didn't <laughs> either. And it doesn't have a red squiggly line under it, so I guess that's right. It must be right. I mean, but this, you know, this is is Ski from... Ski-dadlin. Ski uh, this is from so long ago, but, you know, now we're probably going to see some of that in Resistance. Um, and she touches on how um, Hosni and Prime being blown up in the First Order, or excuse me, in uh, The Force Awakens, is pretty much the only thing that we get to see. Um, as far as the First Order's motivations, I believe their motivation is to restore order and stability to the galaxy. Ready? Here we go again. I'm with Brandon on the World War One, World War Two, Germany Illusion. <sighs>
1: I believe that was a group effort. I think I need to uh, get at least an assist on that. Come on.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'll give it to you. Yes! But can I just, like, say how awesome Michelle is? Because she used illusion and skedaddling in the same paragraph, (laughs) and it works. So, yeah. Well done. Um, So, Michelle, if you want to, you know, post some articles for us, hit me up. Uh, Like you said, the plot line is undermined by the zero time lapse between TFA and TLJ. I think Kylo's role within the First Order is the same as Vader's, more or less, which I want to touch on in a second. Uh, the First Order military types are afraid of his power and instability. He's Snoke's guy, so they do what he says, um, or they get force choked, thrown across the room, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's I didn't mean that like Michelle wasn't writing anything important. I meant like <laughs> he does all the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. He's
1: not actually reading her email anymore. I
0: am reading her email, okay? It's an audio show, so nobody knows the difference. <laughs> also, as you mentioned, the troopers are probably brainwashed anyways, so they probably do
1: what they were told no matter what. And I take uh, I I take a small smidgen of issue with that because we see a lot of Imperial officers on the the bridges of of the various Star Destroyers and they are all there for their own personal reasons like they do not follow Hux at all like what's the guy's name Kennedy at the beginning of episode eight, who's like, we should have launched our fighters five minutes five ago. Five bloody minutes ago. He's one of my favorite guys. Cause he's, he's kind of like the rest of the universe. He's like, these children are running things and it's a terrible idea. I don't know that brainwash is the right word to, way to describe them. I can see that she's trying to use it and apply it to the stormtroopers. But even then, I don't know that it completely applies as we got in the deleted scenes of episode eight, my favorite thing with uh, Tom Hardy's cameo as bad. I I hope, hope. (laughs) which is the new way we need to do everything, by the way. Um, That's like our new secret handshake. There's so much personality that's in those characters, the stormtroopers and the officers and everybody who's on those ships that Brainwashed, I don't think, applies. I think Brainwashed would be more applicable to the clones back during the Clone Wars era. I mean, that's what i think you have to compare it to and and when kylo ren makes a crack at the beginning of force awakens as perhaps supreme leader snoke should have used a clone army you can clearly say see that he's implying that the individual individuality you have left in your troopers is poisoning the well
0: mm, my my push against that spoiler alert for the phasma novel but in the phasma novel it talks about how they have like propaganda playing through the speakers in i think it's the speakers or it's on the tv or something of the stormtroopers quarters so like when they're sleeping they're hearing this propaganda so at least brain mm. brainwashed to an extent
1: okay i mean, perhaps there's a lesser degree word we could use there um indoctrinated or propagandized or something but brainwashed to me is more like the um Clockwork Orange, where the guy, Alex, is strapped to the chair and his eyes are being mechanically spread open and he's forced to consume these images and storyline. And that's not the feeling that I get.
0: No, and I don't think that's the feeling we're supposed to get. Okay. And I didn't know that that little uh, trope came from Clockwork Orange. I'm a bad movie fan. I need to watch more classic movies.
1: Clockwork Orange is a very difficult movie to get through. But if you can make it through the first like 15 minutes and basically make it through the singing in the rain sequence, you'll be okay. But it is very hard to get through that sequence. Fair warning, not a family-friendly movie. All right.
0: Um, so finishing off, she says, I am a Kylo, ben, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. I almost said Kylo Ben because that's what I call him. A Kylo Ren, club. Ben Solo, sympathizer. Uh, there's no doubt about that. In The Force Awakens, I merely find them intriguing and cool. I found myself anticipating all the scenes with Ray and Kylo more and more after each viewing. Um, I thought their story and chemistry was great. And then in TLJ, OMG, full obsession. That's what it says. I read it exactly. Um, yep, I'm so Reylo. Check out Starships for that. Know, I don't
1: think I know what that means. That's the Rey-Kylo oh, oh, oh. ship.
0: Okay, sure. You're well, not that old. Come on.
1: I, some days I just feel like it, I suppose.
0: Um, she says, interesting that Brandon had uh, the opposite reaction to Ray in TFA and TLJ. Uh, their forced connection in TLJ threw me for a loop. I was not expecting anything like that. Um, it was brilliant. I have to come. I've come to think that Ray and Kylo's connection is the key to the sequel trilogy and basically the end game of the entire trilogy, which will end in Ben Solo's redemption. No. Uh, episode eight, was in e- in essence a C. Uh, if Ray has if Ray has hope in Ben Solo, why can't you? Um, I did not read that very well. <laughs> she put she put that in quotes. Episode eight was in essence a C. If you if Ray has hope in Ben Solo, why can't you? Primer. Um, She's trying to more, tell you that's
1: what the message of the movie was. It's saying, see, yeah. if Ray has hope in Ben Solo, why there, can't you? That's there you the go. Way. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Drama last um, five years
0: uh leo is probably going to play a major role in episode nine i can't imagine now how it will end other than in a ben solo redemption but at what cost his life Uh, that's (laughs) missing six yeah um and we touched on on the last things um and she basically just finishes off saying how much she loves um the characters and the dichotomy between them and things like that so michelle thank you for emailing in um it was she, she closed it off with, um, I've now provided you with a, an efficient sleep aid. But we like things that tell us how amazing we are. So I read it a few times.
1: <laughs> so this should be an encouragement for you, the listener, to uh, contribute your thoughts and, and your responses as well. You can let, let us know how much you agree or disagree. And, and what's, uh, what's the email address? What's the best way people can get that stuff to us? Uh,
0: Twitter is at Clashing Sabers. And the email is Clashing Sabers Network at gmail.com. Excellent. And Don't be shy. You can find those links. I always put them in the show notes. So you can just click on the hyperlink and you're there. It's like magic. The magic of the internet. Science is magic. Um, All right. So there was something else I was going to talk about while we were. uh, Oh, yeah. The Vader thing that she um, she brought up. So you don't keep up with the comics, do you? No. Okay. So I wait for like the volumes to come out, like the trade paperbacks to come out on Kindle. You can get them for, like, four bucks. And I was reading the Darth Vader, the new Darth Vader one that's come out. Uh, Volume 1 was already out. Volume 2 came out. And, dude, if you're going to read any of the Star Wars comics, this is, like, the one that's, like, absolutely... This and Caden. They're so good. But it was really interesting because this Vader um, story arc is set, like, almost immediately after the end of Revenge of the Sith. Um, In Volume 1, you, like, see Masameda and Stormtroopers throwing lightsabers into like uh, a fire and so in the uh, in the most recent uh issue you actually see palpatine basically give vader the power to kill officers if the need be
1: wait say that again
0: so okay so the the comic starts out with Vader choking one of the Imperial officers in Palpatine's office. Okay. And Palpatine's basically like, look, dude, I can't run an empire if you're going to kill all my people. Uh-huh. And Vader goes on this long journey. Um, and basically comes back and says to Palpatine, like, look, if you want me to be a part of this empire, you have to trust me to, that some people are just going to have to die. And so Palpatine basically is like, all right, because, because, People don't recognize what Vader's rank is. They don't recognize, like, yeah. am I supposed... And you, so you get, like, some Imperial troopers who are, like, mouthing off to Darth Vader. Oh, gosh. Which, yeah, which doesn't end well for them, obviously. But then he goes to Palpatine and is like, Th- if you want me to have this authority, you need to give me this power. And so he ends up choking out, like, five guys at the same time, which is really cool. But I just thought that was really interesting, too, that the comic added um, that bit of... Little nuance to his story because you know it makes it, it makes you think, like, even more so when you get to like Empire Strikes Back and he's choking like everybody out, (laughs) that you know he's been doing that for 20 years. And then when the Falcon escapes and he doesn't choke anybody out,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like, how freaking scary is that?
1: He just turns his back and walks away. I love that scene, Uh, that's the best.
0: uh, All right, so we. We're going to talk about Han Solo today. You ready to jump into this?
1: We need to. Movie's almost here. Wow, don't
0: sound so excited. Well, I have bad news for you. <laughs> oh, God. All right, we'll be right back after this.
1: Julian I'll take care of this. You stay here. Quietly. There might be more of them out there. Hey, it's me.
0: You're Han Solo.
1: <coughs> I used to be. Han Solo, the Rebellion General?
0: No, the Smuggler. Wasn't he a war hero? This is a ship that made the castle run in 14 parsecs.
1: 12!
0: 14. Welcome back, and we are talking about Han Solo today. Why, you asked? Well, there's nothing else to do. (laughs) Yeah, nothing else. We just thought, hey, let's just pick a random character who nobody's talked about for a long time. Talk about that guy.
1: So we picked Han Solo. So K2SO.
0: Um, Oh, don't do, don't do that to me. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, no. Before, okay. So no, we're gonna start this way. Last shot. I'm not gonna spoil anything for last shot. But you, the book. Oh, the okay. The the new book that came out. The new book that came out. It is good. Okay. Check out. Don't burn the sacred text for that. Okay. The biggest reason I want to see this movie is because of L three now. She is awesome. (sighs) No, dude, she's really cool, and not like – I just hope they – I hope they don't phasma
1: her. That's a big issue and a big concern. This is – we'll get – I'm sure we'll get through a lot of this, but this was part of my problem with the trailer, right? Um, we'll just go – I guess we could just launch straight into th- –
0: well i mean yeah, um, you're the only one who hasn't shared uh your i know i was so angry i didn't have time to help out um, i wasn't trolling you there i i was legitimately saying oh no, I, I know i know saying. i know
1: um so the new trailer drop, we get a little bit it was like what two and a half minutes long and i think it visually looks interesting but other than it being a Star Wars, if this did not have the word Star Wars in the title, I would not go see this movie. This does not get my engines going at all. Like, so if you take the like your review, Mark's opinion, and Lindsay's review as well, you guys are kind of tiered in that order. Brandon, you are like like a puppy with a brand new bone to chew. You are thrilled and over the moon, and I'm fine with that. Mark was like. You know, the first trailer didn't really do anything for me, but I'm super pumped for it now. And then Lindsay Lindsay, and I are kind of hanging towards the other end of the spectrum going, what are we doing with this movie, guys? I don't know. I have gone down in my anticipation for this film. I'll still go see it. And I'm hoping that it's good. But I'm not going because this is a Star Wars movie. I'm going because this is a James Cameron. James Cameron? I just blanked. Is that the right director? No. Ron Howard. It's Ron Howard. I got there eventually. Thank you for not making me feel terrible about that. I'll do that later. I know. I'll I'll see it on Twitter, I'm sure. I'm going to go for this because it's a Ron Howard rescuing um, a Lord and Miller disaster piece. And here's kind of why I say it that way. There's a podcast came out not too long ago that had Tony Gilroy on it, who was brought in at the end of Rogue One's development to make sense out of what Gareth Edwards had done. And he never came out and said it. in in clear words, but you could tell what he was trying to communicate without making anybody sound bad is when he got there, it was a disaster. There was no clarity to what they had scripted out, to what they had filmed and what they were trying to put together. And all he could do was to take the last third of the movie, which is without question the best part of Rogue One and make sense out of it. And it's because he was able to come in and contribute to that that saved the film. Like It would not be anywhere near as good as it is in any of our estimations if it wasn't for how fantastic the last third of that movie is. I have a sinking suspicion Ron Howard is coming in to do the exact same thing, but on a larger scale. Um, The trailer, I think, was a lot more honest with what we should expect as opposed to the Rogue One trailer. Rogue One, most of that trailer is not even in the film, but they even include the line where... Woody Harrelson says, expect everyone to betray you. That way you're never disappointed. Something along those lines, right? So they have, in fact, given away the entire film with that. We're, we can now construct exactly what happens in this film and it's it does not get me going. It's no longer something that I'm as thrilled or interested in going to see. So I'm going to pitch my 60-second nutshell of what I think is going to happen in this movie. He's going to... Han is going to try and find a spot in life that allows him to be a, as he says in the trailer, a driver and a flyer. Never heard the word flyer used in that context before. I would have said a pilot Um, like everybody else would have said. Um, That's a strong indicator of of trouble. Um, He's going to try and find a a way to be a flyer. He's going to try and join the Imperial Academy. Obviously he's not going to hack it. He's going to find people on the fringes who are more interesting. So he's going to go and try and do that. He's going to join up with Chewbacca. They're going to put together the team. He's going to be taught that every, you know, there's bad people out there and we're just going to do this one job. He'll befriend Lando. The mentor that Woody Harrelson is playing is going to betray the whole team. He's going to sell them, everybody out. And then Han is going to sell out Lando in the end of the film. The issue I think I've discovered is that I don't care about this kind of a character progression. Um, we know where he's going to end up at the end of this film. He's going to end up in a bar on Tatooine looking for one more job. So he's going to go from idealistic cocky to burned out and at the bottom of a of a, a, uh, a bottle. And I don't really – unless you're Martin Scorsese and Goodfellas, I don't really know if this is going to be something that they can piece together and make super exciting for me. Go ahead. Tear it apart. No,
0: I mean – i haven't seen the movie yet so i can't tear it apart (laughs) either one of us could be perfectly right i I think the fact that they're premiering it um, now actually before the Cannes film festival they're premiering it um they're getting people to see this movie and i the only thing i could possibly think of is they're doing that to get the reviews out there that this is a really damn good movie um i i'm not concerned at all anymore um (laughs)
1: and you're totally on board and that's fine and I I hope it's I really hope to be proven wrong I would like this to be a fantastic film again I walked out of Rogue One reconsidering my top three favorite Star Wars movies because it's just that good but again it's only the saving grace at the end of the third film the first and second acts of that movie are so exposition heavy and pretty clunky they're, they're fun to watch, but they are nothing compared to the way that film wraps up. And I don't know if this studio can do that again. This is the challenge that I have is because Disney hasn't given us a whole lot of reason to fear their involvement in things. Like I don't know that I've got an entry in the Star Wars or the Marvel Universe that has just gone horribly, horribly wrong yet. But I think maybe the law of large numbers says one of these is going to be a doozy, and I feel like this is going to be the one.
0: Uh, we'll see. There's like, what, 30 days left or something like that? Uh, Not it's even less
1: anymore. than a month. It's less yeah. than a month. Um, so
0: what, what we really wanted to do on this episode is kind of look at the journey of Han Solo so far. Like, what do we have from Han Solo? What do we know about him? Um, and what kind of does the character mean? So... Starting off, Han used to be my favorite character. Oh, uh, yeah, I grew up like playing Han Solo, and as I've gotten older, he's become less and less vital to me. Um, I enjoy the character a lot, but he is a much more like you see what you get kind of character. We know like he's clearly in. A new hope, in my opinion, like the scoundrel with the heart of gold. And I'm actually reading um, the scoundrel farm boy and the princess, the scoundrel and the farm boy to my kids right now. And they make it very clear in there that he's like has a gooey center to him Um, when (laughs) when. Well, when Luke gets pulled into uh, the trash compactor, gets pulled under with the Dianoga, like he's his, his literal thoughts are, I can't lose the kid. Not yet, not ever.
1: and it was pretty heavy-handed
0: it was a very young adult heavy-handed thing but at the same time it made me realize like yeah it's always been kind of clear that han had this like gooey center to him and i think at least from everything i've read in rebels he's had that too you know um with his his love of Wookies and his, aunt, you know,
1: refusing <laughs> his love of Wookies.
0: Like, what else do you call it? I,
1: his, we don't his, have a lot of information. I agree.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, oh, good information.
0: Yeah, and even in uh, so I just finished reading the AC Crispin trilogy a few months ago, um, which I'm not as big of a fan of as I thought I was. Oh, but well, hot take. There's a lot in there that's just, like, not necessary, and it doesn't benefit the story at all, in my opinion. Like, I don't need to know how Han got the gloves that he flies with.
1: (laughs) You know? Oh, you didn't like that part, did you? No. Like, a bad news for you. Where do you think those dice are going to come from?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm hoping the dice are like a family heirloom. It's like the last thing he has from his father, but
1: no. we've heard It's going to be something he picks up. It's going to be the things. He won like a big thing in the movie. He's going to have them tied up and, and string him slung over the rearview mirror in the Millennium Falcon. Th-
0: they're apparently the, the, what he used to win the Millennium Falcon.
1: There's no dice in Sabacc, though. Wait a minute. Uh, is it,
0: st- I don't... is it
1: strictly clear in the current canon that Sabacc is a card game? And is it is it made clear that Sabak is the game that won him the Falcon? Does that I don't know. And no. <sighs> Wait, and he, you don't. I
0: oh. I don't know if it's clear that Sabak is a game or not. I feel like there's been mentions of it, but I've been like off and on reading some legend stuff too, so I could be crossing wires there.
1: Bloodlines but, has a scene where Leia goes to the casino. That's correct. Okay, and yeah, she's yeah, got cars that they slide into different zones. I don't know. Pulled that out of nowhere. (laughs) Proud of myself.
0: That's an extra point for you. Um, Thank you. But there is, and I can thank Michelle Whitledge for this again. Disney has released a Han Solo card game, and that's literally what it's called, Han Solo card game.
1: No. But no,
0: but hold on. It is the game that they play in the movie.
1: The game they play in the movie. Oh, no, it's what they, we okay, see, in, from the Solo Star Wars saga. Yes. Oh,
0: okay, yes. gotcha. Okay, so that makes me feel like maybe it's All not Sabak. Right. because why wouldn't they just say Sabacc?
1: What, what if they name the card? What if Han's <laughs> parents named him after the card game? <laughs> that would
0: be funny. Um,
1: uh, oh and, no! And there's a picture of him throwing
0: dice. Oh no! You're gonna be right. I know this is terrible. It only happens every now and then.
1: Not so even, I, well. I really cherish
0: the moments. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and if you're interested in playing that game, join us at Intergalacticon in San Diego. Oh gosh! I got I got Steve to buy it, and we're gonna play it at Steve Con. It's gonna be great. Oh snap. Uh, so yeah, he's he has a a, a gaming room um, with tabletop games and stuff, and I slightly was like sent him the link to amazon it was like hey we could play this at at the con And he said i've already purchased it Let's nice do well done so, you uh, know
1: i think that for for me the han solo character the character overall really works best due to two things the first one is harrison ford and the second thing is harrison ford enjoying what he's doing um The best moments I like of the character come from the Death Star detention block in Star Wars, the motion picture, all of Empire Strikes Back, and then most of The Force Awakens. I think in those moments where Harrison Ford truly is enjoying what he's doing, it shines through in the character. Because if you think about – or at least my experience has been like everything that's outside of those films, everything that does not necessarily have Harrison Ford tied to it falls flat. Um, The Aftermath trilogy. Never really seems to capture the same charisma and and con- and connection that the films do. Not even like the Legends books did a really good job of this. I think they they tried and got close in some of the New Jedi Order stuff after Chewbacca dies, because they made the character, they changed the trajectory of the character. He becomes much more um, cynical and detached, and there's there's some interesting stuff between him and Leia. Where they kind of have to reconcile this change in their relationship after the death of Chewbacca, and that's that was some kind of fun stuff. But even where the whole Legends canon di- died in the the last book, I think it was Crucible, was absolutely a slog to get through. It was it's not an enjoyable book to try and deal with. Unfortunately, um, they have Han Solo who's like seventy five years old at this point, like leaping from balconies and. Jumping around and and being the swashbuckling hero he was forty years ago, and it just does not survive and it does not connect because all of us have known people that old and none of them have been Han Solo before. Like the only times that the character really clicks to me anymore is those few times when he's on screen. Like, but Harrison Ford has to be enjoying it. Return of the Jedi Han Solo basically is a different character he doesn't seem to really get his groove back until we get to the force awakens. And he has all those little tiny insults where he says, move ball. You know, that's a great line. You know, he calls Finn big deal, like once or twice. That's great. Those kind of things really show me he's enjoying what he's doing as an actor. And that's what sells the character for me.
0: Well, and that's not to go into uh, solo again, but that's why I think, Alden is going to do a good job because he it, it seems like he is really he really enjoyed what he did um, and he really understands the character and and I agree like they there's been there's been a major miss um, as far as Han Solo is concerned because he just has the it factor as a character um, and and you can see that with like uh, DJ from from the uh, not the Force so Awakens the Last Jedi. He really fell flat for most people. Like, I don't know anybody who's read the DJ comic. Like, nobody seems to care about question, DJ. Yeah. And he very much acts in the same way that Han does at the beginning of A New Hope. But yet, as far as I know, everybody loved Han from the get go. So, it, it's interesting. And I do think you make a good point that Harrison Ford plays a major, major part of that. Mm-hmm. And. And also like he's very quippy and that works better visually because it can just pass by real quick, like the move ball and you can like miss it completely. Uh, but you, or you catch it and you're like, Oh, okay. Like that's like real life stuff that's going on. And in a book, it's a little harder to make that like side quip seem like off to the side and not that important. Um, because like you're reading straight through. So everything kind of seems to matter Mm -hmm. Uh, as, as far as his story goes, um, is, is the A.C. Crispin Trilogy the earliest we get him? You're, you're the Legends guy. I know there's the A.C. Crispin Trilogy. There's the Han Solo Adventures.
1: Those, I think, came out first.
0: Right, they came out first, but I'm talking timeline-wise. Oh. He was youngest in the A.C. Crispin, because he was about 18, 19 there.
1: I think that's the one that gives us the largest picture of his yeah. of his life, because it does, like you said, it gives us more about his earlier years. So i probably, if you're, yeah, earliest, meaning the earliest years of his life, that's probably the best place to do that. There's some, there's more family intrigue later on. What's the book with cell Solo in it? Oh, um,
0: I know what you're talking about. I read like the first 50 pages of that and couldn't make it.
1: Ambush at Corellia is yeah. the one. Uh, like, that, that era, th- those first couple are <laughs> really rough books. Um, well, and he
0: finds um, Thraken in, the AC Crispin trilogy. I don't yeah. Know if you remember that, yeah. When he's kind of like looking for his family. And that's another that's problem I true. have. I don't feel I like Khan would that. ever look for his family.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I think he'd be the kind like, of
0: screw you, you ran out on me, like I don't need you.
1: Well, that, he just wouldn't care. He'd be like, I'm enjoying my own life too much. And I feel like that's the kind of stuff like that ancillary material that develops around these secondary characters. Is, it goes back to the same kind of like what we were talking about earlier where people like to come up with their own kind of fill-in-the-blank the for these people's histories. We're, as consumers, we're better with mystery than we are with answers. And that's kind of the issue, is that we like mysteries. We like solving mysteries. We don't like it when other people solve them ways we don't like. And If you look at, like, Lost, you know, the TV show Lost, first season, second season, fantastic stuff, but... It started to continue on, and it went on and on and on. They started answering things, and people felt a little bit like, oh, that's not as interesting as I thought it was going to be. But they were created with the mystery first and the solution second. This is what J.J. Abrams is really, really good at. He's really great at the mystery box, but once you look inside of it, it's kind of disappointing after that. So I feel like that's kind of the issue with a lot of those, the books and things is those are questions or answers to questions we really didn't need. We really would have been better if we never had gotten some of those things, which is again, my overall concern with the film.
0: Well, one of the things that makes Han great is the mystery behind him. exactly. Um, it's 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 what works about Yoda, uh, or one of the many things that works about Yoda. But the fact that we don't know what happened to Yoda those what nine, eight hundred and seventy, eight hundred and fifty years prior, and there's so many possibilities and so many Jedi he could have met and so much knowledge he could have, adds a lot of intrigue to his character. And the same with Han. So,
1: exactly, it, and that's the, that's the fear is because we we can we equate that intrigue with we need to know rather than letting his obscurity inform our understanding of the character as the rest of the characters meet them luke has no idea what this little frog creature is and neither do we and that allows us to associate with luke better in the empire strikes back and understand his journey to fill in the gaps of knowledge about who yoda was before then dilutes that and unfortunately it separates us from luke so now we can't connect in that story as well which is one of the reasons why having yoda in the prequels was a little bit challenging because it takes away the mysticism and takes away that special factor that yoda had of being a once in a lifetime uh uh, engagement and now he's he's the principal of the jedi school that screwed everything up and while it changes the way we relate to yoda it really affects the way we relate to luke and so are we going to have the same problem with han When the first time we meet Han, it's in, again, the back corner of a dark and dirty place that we're not supposed to be. And we're, you know, we are like Luke. We're led into this seedy world and we are strange and interesting creatures. We're looking around the same as Han is. Or, I'm sorry, the same as Luke is because he's never seen those things before either. And when we meet Han, we're a little skeptical. He seems a little dangerous. He's sarcastic. He's expensive. He, you know, he works for a gangster, And we fill in the gaps and we relate to the character the same way that Luke does. And now they're going to take that away and change it. So now when you go back and try and watch A New Hope, it's going to recolor that movie in a way that was not intended. This kind of stuff is starting to really bother me the the more I get into it. like I want to know the forward motion stuff. I want to know what comes after that and what happens later on. But we were given the details we were given back in – A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back about Han's past, i.e. none, for a reason. And I'm starting to think we need to keep it that way. Boom.
0: (sighs) Mic drop. Out. End of show. No. Um, Roll credits. I don't disagree with you. That's
1: eight. (laughs) Hi-ho.
0: That's eight. Hi-ho. I don't disagree with you, uh, but I also don't agree with you. Um, (laughs) And here's... I want to see a Han Solo movie... Because of what I've seen from the Han Solo movie. But the thing Uh, that concerns... (laughs) Like, I wasn't really super pumped for this movie. Like, I didn't care about the movie until I saw the stuff that came out for it. And now I'm like, I need to see this movie. The one thing that concerns me is not learning more about his backstory, but it's that they tell a story that could have been told about another smuggler in the galaxy yes very good because that was uh, if you listen to what Lindsay and i talked about on dark disciple i felt like that book could have had somebody other than quinlan Voss as the jedi uh character and worked just as well or better because you could have gone a different route um with the ending of the book and that's what concerns me about this movie is like if they could have told the exact same story and just had different characters you know play the exact same role Mm
1: -hmm. that
0: becomes a problem
1: i agree i completely agree and i think the way you solve that in this particular film and this is why i'm still interested to go see it is you make chewbacca a big role and you make him important to the story because that's unique that's a character that doesn't really exist anywhere else i think if we get a good bit of information on him and and he plays a real role in this film which it kind of looks like he could I think that's how this movie gets saved, honestly.
0: I think that's going to be the major focus of the movie, and I I have a feeling that the movie. I mean, we've seen from one of the TV spots that he does. Han doesn't even know his name at one point, um, and
1: oh snap, I have not so, seen that TV spot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen all of them, but it just kind of popped up one time, and I saw it, and so. We're gonna have this this build of their relationship, which I think is gonna be really important. And like you said, if it focuses on that, that's where you're gonna get you know, I agree, get the good movie.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's where I think this that's where this movie will will succeed or fail. Um, I, well, and you you get this you get a different um, feeling
0: when you're watching it in A New Hope, where Chewie brings Ben over. Because, like, the guy just cut somebody's arm off with a lightsaber. And then Chewie's yeah. like, oh, yeah, let's give this guy a ride. Yeah, we'll work for you You, know, you why... like fun people. Yeah, we believe that, you know, he's supposed to because we've seen stuff beforehand. But if you take it just from Han's point of view, I mean, this is a crazy old guy with a <laughs> sword that can literally <laughs> cut my head off. I've already got Jabba the Hutt coming after me. And so the fact that Chewie is like, yeah, we, could, we need to take this ride. We need to do this. And Han's just like, all right, you said so, so like let's do, let's talk to him. Mm-hmm. It it shows the depth of their relationship, and so I do want to see more about that relationship develop. Um. And and that'll be really interesting because in the in the canon so far, like pre A New Hope, okay. I felt like they really forced uh, Han's relationship with Wookiees and slaves in order to like m- build that connection to Chewbacca. And mm. I don't think that worked very effectively. Um, I didn't mind ob- obviously cause like slavery, you know, that kind of sucks, but they were uh, bad. You uh, here bad, first. Yes. Um, but I didn't mind Hans like a- opposition, like very aware opposition to slavery in the AC Crispin trilogy, but it also didn't feel completely necessary Um, his attachment to Wookiees felt completely unnecessary and forced.
1: Yeah, that's Um, not
0: cool. (laughs) So, because, because I don't want it to be that he has, like, a childhood... You know, in his childhood, he had a Wookiee that he was close to, and so then Chewbacca is the one in his adulthood that he's close to. I want it to just be Chewbacca. Like, their relationship is vital. Like, it defines both of their... Well... Maybe not Chewie's lives because you know he's 190 years old, but it definitely <laughs> helps define who Han is as a person. Um, he's the one per- Chewie's the one person that, that Han trusts pre and New Hope, Agreed. and we can tell that right away because of what I said earlier. And so, yeah, I definitely want to see see that more. Um, and so as we move into. A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back Return of the Jedi in the original trilogy. We we have the moment where Han comes back. Uh, do you think it was Chewbacca who, who called him to come back and shamed him pretty much into coming back and saving Luke in those last moments? Oh, you mean at the, like, the Death Star Trench? Yeah, at the Death Star Trench run. Uh,
1: no, I never really saw it that way. I feel like it was kind of one of those... So you're asking me to write the scene out as... At- as instead of we follow Luke and his X-wing, we follow Han and Chewbacca and the Millennium Falcon for five minutes.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And then Chewbacca's, you know, getting on his case about we shouldn't. You shouldn't have left. Like you know, you need to help these people.
1: If I'm going to write that scene out, I think it's the two of them leaving in silence, and they're sitting in the cockpit. You know, he and Chewbacca kind of looks at him, and Han, Han looks at him. And looks at Chewie and goes, "All right, fine, whatever." And they do, they go back. I don't think it's a it's a conversation. I think it's an understood are you that much of a to like just bail on these kids and I think it's a wordless shaming perhaps (laughs) but I don't think there's like debate and you know point and counterpoint and okay here's what we're gonna although knowing Han Solo he probably was like what if we did it this way what if we waited to the last possible moment and then come flying out of the sun all dramatic and cool like and she was like I don't care can we just get this over with
0: that that actually really yeah that that's perfect, and it's funny because in uh, in the book that we're reading now, the Princess Scoundrel and Farm boy, there's like already been so if you if you haven't read this book, it tells the first part of the story of a new hope from Leia's point of view, the middle portion from Han's point of view and the final portion. oh from my Luke's gosh point of view. really it's really yeah, it's really cool. Um, Ugh. No, it's it's actually really interesting because you you get more into more of a character study. It's um, funny that
1: you like this book in that particular method, but you did not like the from a certain point of view book, which does the exact same thing. No, 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 no. A certain point
0: of view tells stories around what happened in a New Hope. No, this it's a chronological of- retelling of the same movie. No, it's not. It is! It's not. Tell me how a force. A force-wielding Dianoga crawling through the <laughs> hallways of the Death Star has anything to do with Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia blowing up the Death Star.
1: Reread you, the no. table of contents in the order it's written. It is a scene-for-scene scene recreation. Where is the Dianoga chapter of that book? Right in the middle of it. Where is the Dianoga scene in the in the motion picture? It's right in the middle of it. That's why the mouse droid sequence was one of my favorite things, because it finally clicked, and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've seen this movie before. I'm rather familiar with it. It is the same thing. It's, all right, we've been we've been through that book before. <laughs> we need to move on or else to get more angry. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I'm the only person in existence that doesn't like that book. Um,
1: oh, I, I just uh, there's a lot to not really be a fan of that book. But you got to understand, it's the same thing.
0: Theoretically, oh. uh, so, from a certain point of view, but, you should have. <laughs> that was but your chance. You see, you see um, a lot of like Chewbacca just rolling his eyes at Han Solo in this book. Yes, um, yes. And, and it's great. He's and just, you
1: get it, that from the films. That's the best part about it. It's, it's like you're not actually yeah. going into an asteroid field. And then, you know, that kind of stuff where he he goes, I'm going to move in closer to the big one of the big ones. And everybody in the cockpit goes, closer, closer. And even Chewbacca is like, what are you doing, dummy? Well,
0: <laughs> and I forget who I heard this from, um, but – I heard someone once say that Han Solo is the character we all want to be, and Luke Skywalker is the character that we all are, Um, as far as A New Hope is concerned. You know, we're all that wide-eyed kid who just wants to do something good in the galaxy, but we all kind of feel like we're that Han Solo, that disenfranchised person.
1: We'd rather be that person, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And so... As you go on and you see Han making all these brash decisions, I think we get that attachment to him because, it's like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to be the cool, you know, guy flying the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. Um, which, by the way, I really don't want them to overplay their cards with the Falcon in this movie. I what want do you the mean? Falcon. I just, I don't want it. I don't want it to become the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy to become a pun. That's my biggest fear: is that they're oh. going to take all the the quotables of Han Solo and just put a twist on them and make it a pun. Uh,
1: so you, you don't particularly want to see somebody try and explain how the Kessel Run is one in twelve parsecs, or in less than twelve parsecs? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good on that. Thanks. Okay, I got bad news for you. Oh no, it's going to happen. Absolutely, <laughs> it's totally going to happen.
0: It's totally happening. Yeah, I mean, they've already they are already one of the Legos or one of the action figures is Kessel Run Falcon.
1: Oh, no, really?
0: Yeah, oh, no. Kessel there. runs happening. The Kessel runs happening. I, just, I mean, I, I, and, I, and I want the Falcon to be a, a play, major player, but I don't want it to become like the butt end of a joke.
1: Which, he, oh. <laughs> what if there's a point where Han looks at the Falcon and goes, you know what? If that radar dish was rectangular, that'd look a whole lot better.
0: Something like that. I, if it's a throwaway <laughs> line like that, I'd be okay. Uh, but in Last Shot, um, there actually is a part. Where it talks about why the the Millennium Falcon is not pristine once we see it in A New Hope. And Han, oh. spo- minor spoiler alert, it's like not relevant to the story, but it's in there. Han scruffs up the Falcon because he likes it to be a little bit messy. What? And yeah. <laughs> I hope that's not where they leave it.
1: He scruffs up the Falcon because he doesn't yeah. like it to be so clean. Yeah. Okay, does anybody go to a new dorm room at college and say, you know what? This is too clean. I'm going to screw things up. Does anybody buy a new car and say, you know what? This car needs more Big Mac wrappers or boxes since they don't come in wrappers anymore. <sighs> okay, sure, whatever.
0: It's a thing that's in there. I thought it was worth mentioning. I'm really glad
1: you story. read this book so that I did not have to.
0: It's. A, I think you should read it. it well, don't burn the sacred text. We'll I'll there.
1: wait for that episode, and then I'll <laughs> listen to it. And Lindsay, I'm going to need your help on this one. You're going to have to be my my uh, voice of reason and truth here.
0: Oh, no, I definitely have problems with the book. I don't – it's far from my favorite, but it's a solid story. Um, right. But let's jump into the Falcon and, and Han's attachment to it. Okay. What kind of What kind of role <laughs> – What would you, you like to know? <laughs> what kind of – role in building the character of Han Solo do you think the Millennium Falcon plays? Especially because we're going to see him pre-Falcon, and then we and, see him yeah, in The Force and Awakens post-Falcon.
1: I think that... Well, the Falcon is clearly the the relationship between we have the person would have with their very first car that's theirs you know the first time they go on a road trip with their own car is the first time you really start to learn how the car works and how you get comfortable in it and whether you're going to love this car or you're going to hate this car and that's probably the journey that it's going to have to go on like there's going to come a point where lando is driving or flying the falcon han is not and he is going to, and then by the end of the film that will change, where Han is obviously flying and Lando's not, so there's a point where he's probably going to be jealous and like be like boy, I'd really like to get my hands on on that dashboard control panel I have no idea what you describe the controls as but there's going to be a lot it's probably going to be jealousy is his first instinct, to say that's my ticket to really discovering who I am and then when he gets the ability to to pilot it as we've seen in some of the promotional materials. I think he's going to just fall in love with it. There's going to be that response from the controls. I feel like it's that first car mentality kind of thing. I wonder if it's even going to be the first vehicle that he truly owns. Like the trailer mentions him as a driver and a flyer. What if he's like a taxi cab Uber driver first for the empire and he doesn't actually own anything. And really the film is about him Finding ownership, not just of a ship, but of himself, Brandon. He owns himself by the end of the film. You could call it a coming-of-age story. One might come of age in this own film. That could be uh, amazing. You know what was a good coming-of-age movie? American Graffiti. That would be great. That guy should go do other things like that. Yeah.
0: I think that guy's going to go somewhere. No. He's got potential.
1: No. You know Also, who's in that film, by the way? A young Harrison Ford.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like a bad Star Wars fan. I've never actually seen American Graffiti. You've
1: never seen American Graffiti?
0: No, it's on my list of movies I want to watch. I You're just a terrible person. <laughs> I, I know. I'm really ashamed of myself. Um, It's actually like, this is like me getting on the long couch in the therapist's office. I really
1: have some shame about the fact that I have not watched American Graffiti. <laughs> I really okay. want to
0: see it. It's really not
1: bad. It. It's not bad. It has more to do with you know. It's this. It's it's kind of what we're talking about here. It's about you know the, the kids who graduate high school and their last few days together as friends. And this is you know kind of something you and I probably went through similar experiences of when everybody's about to leave town and how do you uh, how do you celebrate and what do you look back in life and and uh, what does that really mean to you? It's not a bad film. It's of its time. That's for show, sure. but it's not bad. Have you watched THX one one three eight?
0: The full-length one, no. I've seen portions of it.
1: Have no. you seen... We're just going to lay down on the couch here, and let's, let's okay. really expand upon this. All have right. you seen... And this has nothing to do with Han Solo, by the way, so if that's what you're here for, I'm very, very sorry. Um, have you seen The Hidden Fortress, the Kurosawa film? No. Brandon, have you seen The Empire Strikes Back? Yes, of oh course I've
0: God. seen. It's like... It's on my summer docket to, like, catch up on all the movies that influence Star right. Wars.
1: We'll do that. It's... You know what? That's okay. You know what? I have gone through and watched at least the first year and a half of Rebels. You can watch American Graffiti, and I will go back and watch it, too, and we'll talk about it together. Sounds good to me. Let's do that.
0: Um, so as far as Han Solo is concerned... <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about him. Yeah. So considering Solo as a coming-of-age story... Being a Legends guy, you said we just have pretty much the A.C. Crispin trilogy, the Han Solo adventures beforehand. Um, there's not really a coming of age, in, in my opinion, in the A.C. Crispin trilogy. Right. Uh, I, he, he's very much who he is. Um, so as you go through like the end of Legends, what really is his trajectory like post return of the jedi is there any major character change that goes on or is his character change pretty much summed up in the original trilogy
1: well yeah that's probably the most interesting parts is what we what we get on screen until you kill chewbacca off in vector prime because again spoiler alert oh yeah for a book that's like 20 years old that no one's gonna read if they haven't already um which you guys really should. The new Jedi Order is really fun. It's a lot of fun. It's not the best writing, but it's a lot of fun. So in that they 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 force Han to to deal with his marriage more than anything else, which is kind of interesting because it, it's clear it becomes clear to all the characters that that Chewbacca and Han were married more than Leia and Han ever were. There's a part There's a a series of one or two books where he even finds a new co-pilot, like a different kind of non-human – and I can't remember the character's name. But he picks up another kind of similar situation where he picks up a stray and kind of tries to befriend him and, and turns into the same partnership. And Leia is like, what the heck, dude? Like I am your wife. And and I feel like that was a more interesting dynamic. And the two of them finally really connect, I feel. There wasn't – and maybe it does a little disservice to the Thrawn trilogy and some of those books pre-New Jedi Order. But you never really get the sense that the two of them spent a lot of time together. Kind of like what they're doing in the new trilogy – or not new trilogy, but in the new books where Han is running like – he's not smuggling he's running a race competition in bloodlines
0: he's he's a racer
1: yeah and it's like why can't you just let these two people spend time together and the new jedi order forces them to do it and a moment is made in one of the books i can't remember where it is but han actually gets the co-pilot seat refitted to fit leia rather than to fit the seven foot tall Wookie, who had occupied it for years before, and it's kind of a moment because it's it's where he's actually inviting her to be a real part of his actual life, and they have adventures together. Eventually, Leia will like give up the government life, and the two of them spend actual, honest to god time together. And you feel like it's a more adult in the sense of maturity t- um, definition where the two of them really get to grow old together. And that's nice, which is kind of like – it probably sounds a little stupid when I hear described as Hansel and, and Leia are finally nice. But you know as you grow up and as you age out of like the target demographic for a lot of this stuff, you kind of get a little exhausted by some of these things. And you just want to know that the two of them can have a conversation about something that doesn't involve alien invaders from an, another galaxy or you know which of their children is going to fall to the dark side next. You know, they get to actually be human at a certain point, and I kind of like that. And then they try to take that away from the characters, and that's where I I, I totally get what a lot of people don't like about the Legends books is that it seems to never end for them, and I understand that. That's kind of a – that's an issue that they never really face. They don't let the characters age and move on to other things. They, they, they could never let those classic three characters go. And honestly, that's part of what I like about the new trilogy, the sequel trilogy movies is Han gone. He ain't coming back. This isn't like a Marvel movie where, you know, somebody dies and, you know, in comic books, no one's ever really gone, even though that comes from The Last Jedi. Anyway, Han's story is done. And, and we don't really need, we're not going to get any more details about his life Um, inside the films and that's okay we need to be okay with letting these characters go because at a certain point they become so tired and so worked that we don't even recognize them as the characters we fell in love with 20 30 years ago and that's what i think is his arc was handled better in the force awakens than it was in any of the novelizations um that were wiped away or even in the new ones they just they were J.J. Abrams mercifully let the character go, and that is okay. Uh, Ryan Johnson has forced us to let go of Luke Skywalker, although there's a really good chance he's going to come back. And we need to be okay with those kinds of things. We need to be able to move on from those characters, especially if we want these things to continue. Not sure that's I, what you actually asked me about. No, but that's no, no, kind no, of what I'm landing on.
0: It, it, no, it's a good point. And I, you know, there's been the talk has reemerged again about how. Um, Aldner and Reich is signed for three movies and they're mm. not going to make they're not going to make three movies I I want this to be I honestly want this to be like the last thing we get of Han outside of like some comics and novels I want this to be the last on-screen thing we really get from Han uh yeah. it's the solo film and I tend to then we that. have his complete story um and we have the opening of the book and the closing of the book and then just don't mess with
1: it agreed i really i really hope this unless this movie absolutely blows my mind and is better than anything i've seen in a long time then sure give us another one i suppose but otherwise let's 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 find something else to do guys
0: (laughs) yeah like it's time old man
1: drew has had enough
0: Oh, uh, and that will be where we'll wrap it up for this time. Old Man Drew has to go put on his high black socks and go yell at
1: the kids in his yard. It's five thirty. I need to go to bed. No, sh- <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my job. Oh, that's sure. You're only up for like another fifteen minutes. <laughs>
0: yeah, thereabouts. Um. So, God. So you can. are we, you can reach us at Clashing Sabers on the Twitter, uh, at Clashing Sabers Network at gmail.com. Drew is at the Drew Brett. That's I me. I am at Darth Boylan. That's uh, it. I think that's all the things. Clashing Sabers dot net. Uh, and check out all the other shows we have going on. Um, I know there's a couple of other episodes of Starships that'll be coming out soon. Ash actually has one uh, with her dad um, on, and she, she tries to what? explain shipping culture to him. Yes. Yeah, oh, so this is gonna be great. It's it's great. It's gonna be it's gonna be really good. So um, definitely check that out. Mark um, is hard at work um, on a podcast that is going to come out on Da-da-da-da! dramatic pause because I'm looking at my calendar. What is today? Today's the 28th. No. Yes, sir. It, oh wait i'm looking at march that would help okay um it'll come out on friday may the 4th so make sure you check that out because it is going to be a big deal so we will uh see you next time and until then remember don't invite Rathars to dinner Batch eight. i hope